Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Today's episode of Wine and Dime is sponsored by Rooted Planning Group, a fee-only financial planning firm that believes life is about events, supported by your dollars and cents. And we want to help you achieve your goals. Hop on over to www.rootedpg.com to learn more about the services. Every week, it's my goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palates that should be celebrated and not judged. My Wine and Dime listeners, Amy Irvine here. I hope you all are having a wonderful day whenever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about a bunch of initials, CIPIC, FDIC, NCUA, and the insurance limits that go along with all those. I know that this is something that a lot of people are a bit concerned about because of some recent bank failures that have happened to be in the news, and it's caused some concern that I think is warranted and we need to explore a little bit further. But before we dig into that, I want wanted to give a shout out to Berkeley Winery in Lubbock, Texas, as I continue on my adventure with my taste buds throughout the United States uh, this year. I wanted to shout out, I actually have featured them before on my podcast, but I was in Texas recently and uh, so it made me think, oh, I I need to, you know, get back into uh, trying some Texan wines. Just so happens I was able to find a 2019 bourbon barrel cab. Now, this is not an inexpensive wine. But if you have a big event and you want to share some really good wine with friends, uh, you can go out to their website. It's berkeleyhillvineyards.com and you can order a really good bottle of a bourbon barrel aged cab. So with that being said... Uh, this is a really heavy topic, and maybe that's why I gravitated to a really heavy wine. When we think about what's going on in the U.S. right now, I know there's a lot of concerns about bank failures. I know there's a lot of concerns about making sure that people have their limits um, protected in the right manner. There's just a lot of concerns. And so I thought it might be a good idea for me to revisit what some of the, the languages that you hear tossed around and what some of your limits are. So let me start first with what's called FDIC insurance, which is the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Now, if you're a credit union member, you probably have what's called the NCUA. Uh, That's going to be the same type of thing. So all these things that I say, whether it's NCUA, FDIC, there's still insurance behind these deposits. So everything that I say to you is going to be true. Uh, with regards to the coverage. Now, I am going to post a link in the show notes 
with this information for you to be able to visit. Uh, they have a nice little brochure. So I'm going to post that link in there so that you can go out there. You can also do a um, estimator. So they have a great tool online that you can go to and actually see if your funds exceed the FDIC limits. So again, I'll, I'll post both of those in the show notes so that you have them. So let me kind of give you a little bit of background because I think it's really interesting. Now, all this information, again, is out on the FDIC website. So some of it, if you go out there, you're going to see that it's the same information that I'm giving you because that is where I got the information from. The FDIC deposit insurance was actually started in 1933. And the reason was, you know, we they didn't want to happen what happened in the Great Depression, which was a run on the banks. Uh, my husband and I were in Jekyll Island several years ago, and the idea of FDIC actually was generated during that period of time on Jekyll Island to help prevent any kind of run from ever happening again. So it covers things like checking accounts, non-negotiable orders of withdrawals called now accounts. You rarely see them called that anymore, but savings accounts, money market accounts, CDs, and then even cashier's checks, money orders, and other official checks issued by a bank. Here's what it does not cover. It does not cover stock investments, bond investments, mutual funds, any kind of crypto assets, life insurance policies, annuities, any kind of municipal securities, safe deposit boxes or their contents, and then U.S. Treasury bills or bonds or notes. Those are completely different vehicles, so they do not get FDIC insurance. So for some people that think, oh, I'm working with a bank or a credit union on my investments, that kind of ex- that coverage does not extend to your investments. That's something called SIPIC, and we'll go through that in just a moment. So the standard insurance amount is $250,000 $250, per depositor. Now, there's been a lot of commentary in the news right now about should that limit be raised, you know, based on inflation, all of that. So, you know, that certainly is a possibility that that could happen. But right now it's 250 per depositor per insured bank for each account ownership category. Now, I said that very slowly because there's a lot packed into that. So it provides separate coverage for deposits held in different account ownership categories. And all deposits that are account holders in the same ownership category at the same bank are added together. So you can't have four accounts that have Amy Irvine is the account owner on them. But you could have four accounts that maybe one is Amy Irvine IRA and Amy Irvine Roth and Amy Irvine Joint and then Amy Irvine that could have a Totten beneficiary or something like that. That's not, you know, that's a separate person. So the coverage levels really do, um, it's really important that you look at the account ownership categories and see where you fall into those categories. And again, you know, when I look at it, they have a great example out there. They have single account owned by one person, joint account owned by two people, certain retirement accounts, it's per owner. These are all the different account categories, by the way. Revocable trust, it's 250000 per owner, per unique beneficiary. I want to repeat that. For revocable trust, it's $250 per owner, per unique beneficiary. So Brett and I own have a revocable trust. We have five beneficiaries. We actually have seven, but we have seven beneficiaries. So each 
unique beneficiaries would actually get the $250,000 of coverage. Um, corporations, partnerships, and unincorporated accounts per corporation, partnership, are unique in, um, in corporate unincorporated association. Irrevocable trusts have $250,000 for the non-contingent interest of each unique beneficiary. Employee benefit plans, uh, that's $250,000 for each non-contingent interest of each plan participant. And then government accounts would be 250 per official custodian. So those are all the different kind of ownerships that get different kind of types of coverage. Now, why is it important that you make sure that you have the coverage? Well, like I said, the reason for this insurance was really because they wanted to make sure there was never a run on the bank again. And if the bank did fail, that there would be people would be protected at least up to the limits that I just suggested to you. Now, the question is, when a bank fails, what happens? So if you read the news recently, Silicon Valley Bank was one of the um, banks that recently failed. And of course, there was one on the East Coast that was kind of a sister company to them. And they also were taken over by FDIC. Well, bank failure is the closing of a bank by a federal or state banking regulatory agency. So, you know, when you look on the FDIC website, that's exactly what you're going to see. When they come in and take over, they're going to ensure the balance of each depositor's account dollar for dollar up to that limit amount. Now, why that was a big concern with Silicon Valley Bank is because many of those owners, I won't say many, but some of those owners exceeded those limits pretty pretty significantly. So, you know, FDIC and the Fed came in and said, no, we're going to actually, you know, guarantee the balances um, on those accounts. And if you want more information about what happened with Silicon Valley Bank, we can certainly, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes for the video that I did on that. When I, in 2007, 8, 9, we had several bank failures that happened and we actually saw that at that point in time when the when the FDIC would come in and put it in receivership, they would um, give people back the money that they had. And if they had like a CD or something like that, it would give them a principal and some accrued interest. Um, sometimes that was on that particular amount of money. But even so, if you get your principal back, that's where most people are um, most concerned about. So that in a nutshell is FDIC and uh, NCUA coverage. And I know that was an awful lot of information in 10 minutes or less. Now let's hop on over because if you recall, I said FDIC NCUA does not cover your investments. That's something called SPIC, SIPIC. So for those of you that are wondering what that stands for, SIPIC is a Securities Investor Protection Corporation. And one of the things that um, people don't understand when it comes to investments, of course, we can never guarantee the actual market value. So things can kind of go up and down and SIPIC is not meant to cover that, but it is meant to cover fraudulent activity or a investment banking company or investment like brokerage firm going kaput, for lack of a better word. So it is there is protection of customers with multiple accounts. And again, this one, the terminology is called separate capacity. That's the term. That's what the SIPC language is out on their website. They talk about separate capacity and each separate capacity is protected up to $500,000 for securities and cash. Now, you'll notice on there it says if it's cash and securities, the max on the cash is only 250. Very similar figure than what it is to NCUA and FDIC, but your account protection overall is 500. So if you have 300,000 in cash and $200,000 in securities, 
only 250 in cash is protected and then the other 200 would definitely be in security. So, but if you had 250 in cash and 250 in securities, that whole 500, and if it was 100% in securities, then the whole 500 would be protected. Accounts held in the same capacity are combined for purposes of SIPC insurance. So, you know, this is where it's important to know. And, and FYI, some companies, some brokerage firms have additional um, SIPC coverage. So they will have, I know if, if for example, we've done a lot of research on our custodians. Um, Schwab happens to have excess coverage that they will give to their account holders, meaning that they'll give, um, they have like a maximum amount of, of $600 million in excess coverage, but each person would not get more than $159.5 million. But, but the grand total that they would cover is 600000 above and beyond your coverage limits that are already there. So it's kind of an aggregate coverage once it gets over the 500,000. And that's why people have multiple custodians sometimes because they want to make sure that they have that limit or they'll have it in separate account types. So here's examples of separate capacities, very similar to CIPIC, but individual account, or FDIC, excuse me, um, individual accounts, joint accounts, accounts for a corporation, an account for a trust created under state law, an individual retirement account, a Roth individual retirement account, an account held by an executor for a state and an account held by a guardian for ward or minor. Those are all considered separate capacity, separate accounts. So they give a great example out on the website that I, again, I'll post this in the show notes so that you have it. The example that they give is Mary has an account in her name at a brokerage firm. Mary is protected up to $500,000. Joe has a two brokerage accounts, each of them in his own name. For purposes of CIVIC, Joe's accounts are combined and protected, and Joe is protected by CIVIC up to $500,000. Now, Joe and Mary are married, and they have a joint account, which is separate from the individual account that they have at each firm. And the additional maximum of $500,000 of CIVIC protection is available for the joint account. On top of that, Joe has a Roth account and an IRA at the same brokerage account. Joe is protected up to 500 for the Roth and up to 500 for his IRA. I think that gives a great example of the the additional coverage that you get because people sometimes hear 500,000. They're like, I have you know more than that in one particular brokerage account. But when we actually break it down and see where your coverages are, you may not have as much exposure as you think. And and we can all, you know, one one thing that we always talk to people about is the risk associated with the company that you're invested with. And, you know, if you get to a certain level, do you want to work with multiple custodians so that you have the coverage that you um, feel comfortable with? This is something that we always think is a good idea to revisit every once in a while. But right now it's something that's in the forefront of everybody's mind. And so we wanted to take just a, a short podcast to kind of walk through all that, explain it. Again, I'll, provi- I'll provide the information that I mentioned in the show notes. I hope you found this information very helpful. Certainly, you know, thank you for li- listening to the show today. I know it was a lot of information that we spewed out at you. We we hope that you did enjoy the episode and, and we'd love it if you shared this with your friends. And certainly if you could spend just a few minutes to go out on iTunes and rate us because the more people that rate us, the more people can find us. And, you know, we're, we're able to put good information like this out there into the world um, with your assistance. So thank you, everyone. And if you have topics that you would like to hear, don't hesitate to send them our way we'd love to include them in the show and that will about do it for today's episode of wine and dime you can contact amy through the website 
www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at RootedPG for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. Don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.